Welcome to the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, holistic nutrition coach and speaker. Together, we'll be diving into much more than just another conversation around sugar addiction and nutrition. But more importantly, I'll be guiding you through the inner work and spiritual healing that lies at the root of your unhealthy habits with food. Let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode on the Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, sugar freedom coach and speaker. So excited for another episode. Today, we have a really, really fun special guest. I loved talking with Karen, our hormone specialist here on the podcast today. We cannot talk about our relationship with sugar and our journey to health without talking about our hormones. Ladies, we have been lied to. We do not know and understand the true role and purpose of our hormones and how they change as we age. So I knew I had to bring Karen on. And this was an extra fun episode for me because I personally needed to hear a lot of what she shared. This was really good reminder for me at my age to start doing some things to make the next years of my life really, really easy and support myself in that. So wherever you are, you know, in your life's journey and whatever age you're at, this episode really dives deep into so many things. Before we get to it, before I introduce Karen and and share a little bit more about what you can expect in this episode, and then of course, we'll play that episode. I wanted to share this week's weekly insight with you. And something that was really coming up for me a lot this last couple of weeks, actually, is this idea and understanding around pleasure. I actually just hosted a interview in my membership community, the Sugar Freedom Collective. We had a beautiful guest expert come in talking about our sensuality and sexuality and really how we can embrace that as women. And one of the topics that came up, and this has been on my mind a lot lately, is pleasure and how so many of us really starve ourselves of pleasure in life. The pleasure of really, you know, feeling the grass under our, our bare feet or eating, you know, a really ripe fruit or watching a sunrise, right. Or being cuddled or having good sex, these pleasure filled pieces of being a human being. And so many of us actually have learned that pleasure is instead something we should be guilty about. You know, I was really thinking when in my, in my life, how often have I actually heard the word pleasure by itself without the word guilty in front of it? How many times do we talk about guilty pleasure, this guilty pleasure, that this is my guilty pleasure. What's your guilty pleasure? Why is pleasure something we should be so darn guilty about? Why is it not something that we should claim, especially as women with these amazing sensory receptors we have all over the body to really experience a sense of ecstasy and pleasure and satisfaction in our bodies and how this actually ties in and why this is so important. And I wanted to really share this today to start, start things off is, you know, as we really start looking at our relationship with food, we can start to notice that wait a second, because I'm starving myself of pleasure in all these other areas of our lives, right? Maybe we're disconnected from our sexuality and we don't allow that pleasure or we're not, you know, doing things that we enjoy in life and getting pleasure from that. No, we're really starved of this pleasure because we feel like it's something we should be guilty about. Heaven forbid we have pleasure in our life. And now the food industry knows this is a basic human need and has taken full advantage of making food our primary pleasure. So here we're in this space where, you know, 
we feel like we can't give up sugar or chocolate's my only pleasure. Food is my only source of joy and pleasure in my life. And this is a really slippery slope and dangerous place to be at. If any of you listening are there right now, know that you're not alone, really coming to terms with, wow, like this is really the only source of pleasure, let alone joy in my life is around food and bad food, right? Processed food that hits our dopamine centers. Like it's literally wired and created in a factories and laboratories to light up those pleasure centers in our brain to artificially high levels, might I add, but this is, we're, we've been pleasure hijacked. We'll call it that. We've been totally pleasure hijacked. Um, if, if you've never heard of the bliss point before, do your research on that. It's mind blowing. I'm really understanding that this, this has now become the way we get pleasure is just through food. Not to say you can't get pleasure from food, but it definitely shouldn't be your main source. And it should be from real whole foods. You know, that fresh cooked Italian pasta from your grandma or a fresh tomato or fresh peach, you know, those things that are ripe off the vine, you know, those sorts of whole real foods are things that absolutely we should get pleasure from, not the artificial. And we should also have other sources of pleasure in our life. So I just want to encourage all of you this week to sit with this for yourself. Maybe do some journaling on, you know, how, how is the messaging around pleasure showed up for you in your upbringing, you know, in your childhood, in your home, maybe in your school system, or if you have any sort of had religious upbringing, you're definitely going to be feeling some big resistance around pleasure and around your sexuality and around the guilt around that as well. So not to say that pleasure is only from sex. Absolutely not. There's so much that can bring us pleasure. I get so much pleasure from just watching my cat sleep. He's so cute. And it just makes me feel so, you know, so filled with joy, just watching or cuddling him or being outside and gardening and getting my hands in the dirt brings me so much pleasure. So there's so many ways that you can get pleasure, right? Having a nice Epsom salt bath with essential oils and candles. I mean, that's filled with pleasure. So there, we can start to look for this in all areas of our life. And it really is about being intentional and present with that pleasure instead of feeling like it's something you should be ashamed of, right? That there should be shame and guilt attached to that pleasure. Let's see what we can do to break those apart and, and stop doing that to ourselves so that we're not in this, in this shame and guilt spiral that's causing us to eat and, and really keeping us in this, in this, um, cycle for year after year. So that's, really what's been on my mind today, your little insight for the week. Now let's get to today's episode. Okay. Karen Martell is here joining us today. She is a new friend of mine and I'm so blessed to have her in my life. Karen is a certified hormone specialist and transformational nutrition coach and women's weight loss expert. Karen is also the host of a top rated women's health podcast called the other side of weight loss, where she helps women to unlock the mysteries of female fat loss and hormone imbalance. After struggling with her own health issues, Karen was determined to bring her knowledge to others with a bold new approach to women's hormone health and weight management. Karen's passion really lies in helping women balance and optimize their hormones in both peri and post-menopause and break through weight loss resistance. So as you can imagine, this episode is jam packed. So get out your notebook. You're going to want to take notes. I almost wanted to, <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to this episode again and take notes myself. There is so much amazing information that Karen shares with all of you for free on this podcast. We talk about things like how hormones change as you age and what stages in your, your life and really what you need to know about this process that most of us have never been taught. We also talk about how hormones are preventing us from losing weight. 
and how they impact our mood, our sugar cravings, our eating patterns. We also dive into why so many women are developing things like insulin resistance, Alzheimer's, heart disease, osteoporosis, and more as they actually go through peri and post-menopause. We talk about bioidentical hormones. Should we use them? How do we use them properly? We really talk about what's actually at the root of your weight loss resistance and the tests that we need to do in order to get an accurate picture of our hormones. And this is at any stage in life. Karen actually shares, you know, what tests I can be doing in my thirties, what tests, you know, you can be doing in your forties, fifties and sixties to get a proper reading, which unfortunately most of us in our traditional medical systems here in North America do not give us a proper reading. And we need to look outside of these ways to actually get proper testing. So Karen really, really blows the lid off that and gives some really important information on how to properly get tested. We talk about so much more than this, but that's just a quick teaser for you. And without further ado, let's go ahead and play that episode right now. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode on the Beyond Sugar Freedom podcast. I'm here today with a very special guest and a dear friend of mine, Karen Martell, a fellow Canadian in the house. How you doing? Oh, British Columbian. That's right. Hello. We're so close. We will meet in person one day. We, we will. will. We were just we were just scheming before this podcast. So we'll make something happen. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm I'm really really excited that you're here today, Karen. Because uh, as we were just chatting before I hit record, this conversation around hormones, especially as we age as women, um, is something that so many people don't really focus on or look at, you know, they focus so much on just exactly what I'm eating or exercising more, right. Especially when it comes to the conversation, like around weight loss. So talking about hormones is, is very important. And understanding this is so important. We don't learn this in school, women, ladies, out there, right. Like, and (laughs) we need to know how our bodies work and how they change as we age. So very excited to, to dive into this, Karen. And before we do, before I get ahead of myself, because I have so many questions I want to ask you, let's hand it over to you and maybe share a little bit with our audience uh, what you do, what got you into the work that you're doing today and, and anything around in your story that you'd love to share. Yeah. I mean, I can go way back, but I'm not going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I won't bore your audience, but my story really started after the birth of my first child. And I think a lot of women can relate to that, where it feels like everything kind of went haywire after they had their children. And I'm doing what, you know, everybody told me to do as far as trying to lose weight. And like you just said, we focus so much on diet, so much on exercise because that's what we're being told. And so that's what I did. You know, I could, I started gaining all this weight after I had her and I hadn't changed anything with my food, I hadn't changed anything with my exercise. And yet I was packing on all this weight and was experiencing all of these crazy symptoms that really came on very suddenly. So I had severe insomnia where I wasn't sleeping for days on end. I got severe PMS for two weeks out of the month where I would just be a complete disaster. My stomach at all times looked like I was three months pregnant and it was so bloated. I couldn't fit into my pants by the end of the day. I had severe migraines suddenly where my migraines would, you know, sometimes last for days. Um, I would get maybe anywhere from 10 to 20 migraines a month. It, I had hives. I was breaking out in hives. I was having food sensitivities, which I realized later I was super tired all the time. And so what did I do about this? I 
dieted harder. I changed my diet like on a monthly basis because nothing was working. So I tried Atkins, I tried vegan, I tried raw, I tried the zone, I tried juicing, cleansing, detoxing, enemas, liver, gallbladder cleanses, you name it. I did it. I hired a personal trainer. I joined a CrossFit like um, fitness class that I was doing you know, four or five days a week, um, outside of my, also my personal training, I was working out harder than I'd ever worked out before in my life. I was barely eating and I got fatter and fatter. And I got to the heaviest I ever was and was like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm 33 years old. I went to my doctor. I was put on a sleeping pill. I was put on, on an antidepressant and was sent out the door. And I was like, no, like there's something else going on. So I did all of this for six months. Nothing was working. I just kept gaining weight. And I'm looking at all these women that I'm working out with. They're doing the exact same workout as me. They're shredded and I am pudgy. And I'm like, how is this possible? And I finally decided I had to figure this out because nobody was going to figure it out for me. And I remember thinking, I think it's something to do with my hormones because, you know, I was right after my daughter, it was all based around my menstrual cycle, a lot of what was happening. And so I went to a friend of mine that was a naturopath. And I said, could you test my hormones? Because no doctor is going to tell a 33 year old woman that it's her hormones. We don't hear that. We don't ever suspect it. Maybe nowadays we do more because there's more education around that. But surprisingly, most, you know, young 30 year old women are not going, could this be hormonal? Could I have hormonal imbalance? And so I went to the naturopath. He said, of course, let's test your hormones. I did a saliva hormone test kit and it came back that my cortisol was flatlined. Like I had, I was so burned out. And so there I was starving myself and working out like a demon, which is the two worst things you can do when you, when you're in that adrenal insufficiency stage, I had high, high estrogen and no progesterone, like really low progesterone. I had super low DHEA, which is also an adrenal hormone. And then I later found out I also had really bad hypothyroidism that was triggered by that pregnancy or from something happening during that time. I had to change everything. It was like, I had to completely look at my life from a completely different viewpoint. I had to slow down. I quit exercising. I know that sounds like craziness, but I quit exercising. I, I did start doing yoga. So that is exercise, but that was all I would do was yoga. And I started to ask for help. I was a single mother of a little girl. I never thought I was stressed out, which is just like, come on, Karen, duh. But I didn't, I didn't equate myself to being a stressed out person because I was a calm person. But my body on the inside, it was fully taking its toll. And no wonder I couldn't lose weight. And I was doing everything wrong. I switched my diet at that time to a paleo-based diet, which was life-changing. And I still follow that way of eating because it's my way of eating that works for my body. And I worked on those hormones. I worked on bringing the progesterone up, bringing, balancing out that estrogen, working on the adrenal insufficiency by supporting my system, changing my lifestyle. And folks, this took 
a while. Mm. It was not a quick fix. The other thing I had to do was I had to delve into a lot of emotional garbage about my, in what happened in my past, my body image. I came from a history of uh, disordered eating. I was bulimic in high school. I had horrible self-image, body self, body image. I had to work on these things. They all took a while. And eventually the weight started coming off and I got down to my normal weight. I felt so much better. A lot of those symptoms went away, and, but it took time. And I came out of that going, if that happened to me, there has got to be more women out there that are doing everything right, that are exercising, they're eating well, they're doing what all these people are telling them to do. And yet they're continuing to gain weight or having health problems. And I wanted to help those women because there isn't a lot of help out there for women like that. You know, we're not being told that our hormones can impact the way we eat. We think that it, it's our willpower. We think it's because we're not dieting hard enough. We're not exercising hard enough. We don't have that super great willpower to say no to sugar when it could be, it very well could be due to a hormonal imbalance that's happening inside the body or hormonal deficiency. A lot of your uh, listeners are in perimenopause and menopause. And when we lose our hormones, it really starts to drive our eating um, behavior. And we're going to get into that today. So that's my story. Wow. Wow. So incredible, Karen. I didn't know a lot of that about you. And I love hearing, you know, what you've been through and, and thank you for sharing. I think there are a lot of you know, women listening that can relate to all of that or a part of that. And it's, it's, it's kind of like scary, but good for me to hear again as well, because I'm 34 and like, you know, my hormones are no doubt starting to change and shift. And, and this is something that I'll be full disclosure. You know, I probably should go and get tested. I haven't in a while. Right. And it's always good to kind of have that as a baseline and just to check in, right. You know, like we would, mm -hmm. you know, any other sort of health marker. And I love that you reminded everyone listening, right. That, that, often our traditional medical system, whether you're in the States or wherever you're listening to this or in Canada, you know, doesn't test the actual detailed markers that we need. And this is something that I definitely, you're, you're my go-to guru for, for questions about that when I start doing it. But I do know that like, it's worth, in my opinion, right. Worth the testing and paying for the testing, whether it's through a naturopath or, you know, another functional medical doctor, however you're doing that testing. So you can actually get like real results that aren't just kind of surface level, you know, basic testing that, that the doctor does. So mm -hmm. thank you for, for bringing that up. And mm -hmm. I would love to dive more into, I mean, you, you said so many good things in, in there that I want to dive into, but you know, that, that piece that you just, that you just mentioned at the end around how our hormones actually affect our, our eating behavior and also our mood. This was so fascinating when I started learning about this. Right. And I think we can all relate to like, well, and when I'm stressed, I'm cranky. Right. So that's a hormonal response. So like, can you, can you speak to like how the hormones actually affect our mood, our eating behavior? I mean, you, you've already kind of mentioned how they affect our weight, but you know, anything else around that? Yeah. So I think I'll focus on, you know, what happens to us as we age, since a lot of your listeners are in that um, age that I'm in right now, which is in your forties, fifties, even sixties, your hormone deficiency will start to really drive your eating behavior. And when we're in our forties, what typically starts to happen first is we start to lose our progesterone. So there's three main hormones that we're talking about. Well, I should say four. So there's cortisol, 
there's that, you know, runs all day long. It has a circadian rhythm throughout the day. Um, we've got progesterone, we've got estrogen, we've got testosterone. So we're going to talk about those today. When there's a 28 day cycle, first half of the cycle, we're producing estrogen and we're producing testosterone. And when you think about it, ladies, when did you, if you're not no longer menstruating, or if you are menstruating right now, and I can ask you this, Danny, when do you feel the best in your cycle? Is it the first half of your cycle or the second half of your cycle? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, it's like, I would say the second half. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's unusual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm a rare I'm one. person like, okay, to ask. You gave the wrong, wrong answer. <laughs> wrong answer, Danny. Well, okay. I have to caveat with this. I used to really be good at tracking my cycle and I haven't done it for a little while now. So okay. that's, yeah, that's really good to know. And it, it's funny because it often seems like you know, everybody listening, you know, I'm always doing some deep inner work. So sometimes I'm just feeling crappy because I'm like dealing with some stuff. Right. And, and maybe you've got really healthy hormones. Like you might have really good, healthy hormonal cycles, maybe. which is great. Fingers right? crossed. Yes, That could be the case. You seem like you might be somebody that has good hormones right now. <laughs> well, thank you. I've never so, had that compliment yeah. before. <laughs> but typically what we see is the first half of the cycle. That is when women want to be more sexual. Mm -hmm. um, that's because we ovulate in that first, well, we ovulate kind of right in the middle of our cycle, but leading up to it, we have a surge in estrogen and testosterone, which make us want to go out and have sex, both estrogen and testosterone. So a lot of women don't know that estrogen has a lot to do with libido and a healthy libido, because as we age and we lose that estrogen, it can really affect the libido mm -hmm. as well as of course, testosterone can as well. So those hormones are at their highest in the first half of the, of the cycle, which makes us want to be more social, want to be more sexually active, um, have more energy. This is when women actually feel like they can go out and do like a really solid hit class. Um, maybe not in the first few days of your period, but you'll notice like this energy increase as the, as you as you get out of your period and you start heading towards ovulation, you start to feel great. And this is when men are really attracted to women because our pheromones start to change. And so that's when we're attracting that main so we're feeling a little sexier, a little more social and want to get out there and get it. I always tell my husband, like, hey, this is your window of opportunity. <laughs> Here's your week. Block your Come calendar and get off. it. <laughs> <laughs> because going into the second half of my cycle, I'm not so up for it. Because in the second half of the cycle, once you ovulate, you start to produce progesterone. And progesterone is a very calming hormone. So you may feel really good because you're getting progesterone right now, Danny, and that's making you feel good and calm and, you know, that's good sleep and all those things can start to happen if you're in that second half of the cycle. But as we age and we start heading into our late thirties, early forties, that progesterone, because we don't ovulate as often anymore, because we're losing our eggs then we don't have the progesterone. So now we don't have the calming, good sleeps, anti-anxiety hormone that progesterone is. Mm. The other thing that happens is that estrogen will drop a little bit in the second half of the cycle. Estrogen helps us to make serotonin, which is the feel-good neurotransmitter, antidepressant. So what? how else can we make serotonin? 
through carbohydrates. So second half of the cycle, we start to crave more carbs. Most women do. That's when they say, oh, I can't handle, like I can't stop my sugar cravings the week before my period. That's when I can't stop eating chocolate. That's when I can't stop eating ice cream. Like mine's 10 days before my period. I am ravenous for carbs. And it's the only time of the month that I feel like that. And it lasts for about five days and then it disappears. But that is because of my loss of estrogen and my body wants to start to make that serotonin still. Mm. And so your body will crave carbs because carbs can help you make that because it helps you make tryptophan and tryptophan helps you make serotonin. So there's purpose to how we feel through the, through this cycle, the progesterone is going to help you stay calmer. It's going to help you hold on to the child, right? Mm -hmm. If you do, if you did get pregnant and then the period comes and everything starts again. So as we age and we lose this progesterone, that's so important for calming, for sleep, for, um, it actually increases metabolism, suddenly we don't have this as often anymore. So women start bleeding heavier, becoming more inflamed, maybe gaining some weight. They get insomnia, they get bad PMS, they get anxiety. What happens when you get all of those things? We want to eat. Yeah, I want sugar. <laughs> I yeah. want sugar a hundred percent, right? Because you, it's like, you've got no buffer anymore. Progesterone is this beautiful calming hormone. Now our cortisol starts to get all wacky because we don't have this nice buffer of progesterone. So now our blood sugar is going up. We're getting blood sugar instability and we're like, eh, give me the sugar. And then as you start getting even older, you then start losing estrogen. And estrogen's got this horrible name. It's like people, every single woman, Danny thinks they're estrogen dominant and that estrogen's the devil and is going to give them breast cancer and is going to make them fat. Wow. Well, I am here to tell you estrogen, it can be a weight loss hormone and not many women know that. Wow. In the first half of your cycle. And I want, if so, if you listeners are still cycling, pay attention in the first half of your cycle. It's the best time to start a diet. It's the best time to do some intermittent fasting, to eat clean because it's easier. And it's easier because estrogen makes us more insulin sensitive. So when our estrogen is at its highest is when it's easiest for us to eat clean. When we start to lose that estrogen, now our blood sugar becomes dysregulated. So a lot of women, almost all women will get some sort of blood sugar dysregulation in perimenopause and menopause because of that loss of estrogen. What also starts to happen? We start to lose our muscle tissue, right? Muscle, when you put on muscle, when you have muscle, that's one of the best things to counteract insulin resistance and type two diabetes. It can really help correct your blood sugar. And we know if our blood sugar is unstable and it's jumping all over the place and we're not able to get that energy in, what do we do? We overeat and we crave sugar and it's the worst thing for it. It's just going to, you know, feed into that problem. But that is what happens because we're not getting that energy. And women will say to me, I just can't stop snacking. I can't stop eating. My hunger levels have gone through the roof since I've been in perimenopause. And that is because we have started to lose that estrogen. And estrogen, even there's a ton of receptors for estrogen. So a receptor, 
I like to say it's like a, a hand coming off of a cell that grabs onto the hormone and pulls it into the cell for it to work and do its job. Our brain and our appetite control centers in our brain, they are, we are full of estrogen receptors. So when we lose estrogen, our hunger becomes dysregulated. And so we get our leptin starts to become, we start to become resistant to leptin, our insulin resistance increases. And so now we're just so driven to eat nothing but crap, you know, and it can be so hard to stay clean eating into a healthy diet plan and to exercise even because you've got no energy, your blood sugar is a mess. You've got no estrogen, which is your, it's going to help you make that nice serotonin, which makes you feel good. Give all the energy, the sex drive, all of these things can really start to go south because we lose our estrogen. And so estrogen is by far the most important hormone um, as we age. And a lot of women demonize it. I have a blog post in on my website. I have hundreds of blog posts, Danny. The most visited page on my site is a post I did about estrogen dominance. So every woman thinks she is estrogen dominant. And I can't tell you like on a daily basis, I meet with women that are in their forties and fifties who are taking supplements that drain their estrogen because they think they have that, or they've had a practitioner tell them that they're estrogen dominant. And what, it's is very estrogen, what does estrogen dominant mean for anybody who doesn't know? Yeah. So most women think that estrogen dominance just is, I have too much estrogen. Okay. And I tell you right now, I've done thousands of hormone tests for women over the last eight years. Very few women are truly, that truly have too much estrogen. It does happen hundred percent. I'll get maybe one or two a month. Most of the time though, what it is, is when we're in our forties, remember I said that progesterone goes first because we stop ovulating. We are estrogen dominant in comparison to progesterone. So it our estrogen could be super healthy levels, but in comparison to the progesterone, the progesterone's too low. So then you become estrogen dominant, but the okay. answer is not to drain the estrogen. The right. answer is to bump up the progesterone right. so that we can counteract estrogen because they go together. They're like yin and yang. They need each other. They counterbalance each other. Estrogen's needed to make progesterone receptors. So we need this. We need it. They need each other. They're not one is better than the other. Not one is, you know, bad. There's no bad. We definitely are xenoestrogen dominant. We all have way too much fake estrogens in our environment, which can make us feel very estrogen dominant, but it's xenoestrogen dominant. So that can cause weight gain. It can cause psycho problems. It can cause brain issues, um, breast cancer, all of those things. And that is from like the plastic synthetic, um, perfumes, smells, all those things that are in your environment that need to be cleaned up. Those can have a massive impact on estrogen, but xenoestrogen levels, which there's no way to test that. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's too bad. That would be helpful. Mm -hmm. no. So, yeah. So, you know, there's, so women blame themselves that as they age, they just, they they kick themselves. They're like, oh, they get so down and they're like, 
why can't I control this? Why am I gaining weight? I'm down to 1200 calories a day. I'm exercising like crazy. And I just keep gaining weight and I feel like crap and I'm not sleeping, which makes me eat more. You know, it's not your fault. A lot of the time it's not your fault. And if you can support your hormones as you age, and we can get into that, how to, what that looks like, you won't have, you have such a great foundation. It doesn't, won't take care of maybe all of the emotional eating stuff. Like a lot of that comes from our past and trauma and different things that we need to deal with and limiting beliefs. But if you can give yourself that support, all those things will be much easier to change when you feel the strength of those hormones in your body. Our hormones run us. They're the most important thing in our system. And it, regulates everything. It's what's going to kill you off if you don't have them. And that's a fact. As soon as you start losing your hormones, you're on your way out the door. It may take you 30, 40 years, but this is when we see all of these markers go up for women, like heart disease, heart disease is the number one killer of women. We know that women that replace their hormones properly with bioidentical hormones have a massive reduction in heart disease and all cause mortality, which nobody's being told that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's huge. This is so incredible. And I'm so glad that you mentioned like, you know, so many levels. I'm excited that we're having this conversation. Cause as all of, you know, listening, you know, a big part of what I do and teach is really that, that other stuff, right. The emotions, the trauma, the inner pieces of why we can't seem to stop eating, but there is a very physical component. And that's why I always say, you know, when in my programs as well, it's like when we're doing that detox from sugar, like that's going to be the best time for you to start also doing this inner work, right. And start kind of getting your body clean. And when you do that, it becomes so much easier to look at some of the other patterns that might not be physical, right. There's a very physical yes. component, right. Which is exactly what we're talking about hormonally also in our gut. I mean, it's all connected. And if our body is like raging addicted to sugar and having these cravings coming from a physical place, it's really hard to get into the mental, energetic, emotional stuff um, as well. So we need to look at both. And I think so yeah. many people, you know, forget one or the other and, and I'm so and they grateful go that back and forth too right? Like if you don't have good blood sugar, your hormones are going to be a mess. And if your hormones are mess, your blood sugar is going to be a mess. And so diet has to be part of it. Like you have to take care of yourself. Putting on hormones is not the only answer and it's not the fix all. You still have to have a foundation of healthy eating more than ever as you age because you're so much going to be so much more prone to gaining weight and having insulin resistance and all of these other issues. You have, you have to, you have to have the healthy eating as a foundation and that's going to look different for everybody. You have to have the healthy mentality, you know, to deal with the sugar cravings and, and why you might want to be overeating and you have to support the hormones. And as we age, a lot of women feel that, if they eat right and they exercise that they won't go through menopause and have those symptoms. And unfortunately, as we age, we cannot diet or exercise our way out of ovarian failure, which is what happens. Like no matter who you are, you will go through menopause and you will have ovarian failure, which means your body will not be producing the, the amount of hormones that you used to produce. And there's for some women about probably about 85% 
will have a lot of consequences because of that loss of hormones. And women will say, yeah, but it's natural. I'm naturally supposed to, this menopause is natural. And I'm like, yeah, however, we never lived to menopause up until like a couple hundred, maybe 200 years ago or whatever it was like average age was in our forties and early fifties. So it was like, when you hit menopause, that was the average age that women would die. Now we're living twice this and everything that's going on in the body, like in, even in your brain, your FSH, which is your follicular stimulating hormone it's, it's released from your brain and it tells your ovaries to start producing hormones, estrogen, start ovulating progesterone that comes from the luteinizing hormone. Well, as you age, FSH keeps going up and never stops going up, which means your brain never stops telling your ovaries to make estrogen. So if it was natural for us to go into menopause, why would the brain keep doing that? Interesting. And it's a lot like saying to the person that has heart disease that might need heart surgery, you know what, this is part of aging. So we're not going to touch the heart because it's natural to have heart failure, right. right? It's not. And so all the studies show us that women that replace their hormones for, it, you know, 10 years post-menopause have a 30% reduction in all-cause mortality, that there was a study that just came out of Arizona that showed that women that replaced their estrogen for six years or longer with transdermal estrogen had a 75% decrease in getting Alzheimer's and dementia. That, my friends, is huge. Wow. Huge. For a disease that's not curable, as, like I remember I said, we have receptors for estrogen in our brain. We have receptors on every organ in our body for estrogen and for estrogen. We have receptors on every cell for estrogen and progesterone. You will develop osteoporosis if you do not replace your estrogen. It's just a fact. You can get liver disease. You can get high cholesterol, leptin resistance, insulin resistance, type two diabetes, hair loss, skin elasticity loss, breast cancer, even, um, dry vagina, your vagina can shut down completely, like literally shut and closed atrophied gonzo. You can't have sex because it's excruciatingly painful. All of these things because of the loss of hormones. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. So you, I think you've already touched a little bit on this, but I think this is really important to pull out. I have two, two questions for you, a two part question, part, a, part a being like, how, how does one know if their hormones are out of balance, you know, whether you're at my age or later, right? Like, how do we know? I, I would imagine like we can tune into some things physically and also do some testing. And then what can we do about it? You know, a lot of what you're sharing, I mean, makes so much sense. And, and selfishly, this is so good for me to hear. I'm like, oh, this is a perfect time for me to start like thinking about these things. And it can be really disempowering as well, being like, well, that's just going to happen, you know, and we don't want anybody listening to feel like they don't have any power or control over doing some things to really support themselves in this. So that's part B of the question is like, what can we do about it? If our balance, if our hormones are out of balance, like how do we actually start supporting that? Yes. And you know, it's not all bad because really the, the second half of our life as women are really the best years of our life. I really believe that because it's, it tends to be when we're 
the wisest, where we're most ourselves, where it's like, you know, you're not raising your kids anymore, or they're not little anymore. Anyways, you're not getting pregnant. You know, you figured out your job, you figured out, you know, what spouse you're going to have, that kind of thing. And it's the time that you can really tune into yourself and your needs for the first time. And that's such a beautiful time. So it's not all bad. And if you can support and get the right information, because unfortunately there's not a lot of great information out there. So if you can get it, which you're getting today, you can sail through this time symptom-free and feel the best you've ever felt. And I really believe that. And I see it every day in my practice. So Amazing. when you're Tell in- us the secrets, Karen. Yeah. Tell us so secrets. for somebody that's your age, Danny, And for those that are listening, if you're young, now's the time to test your hormones because we all have a different tolerance for hormones. And that has a lot to do with our genetics. So some of us are born more estrogenic and some of us are born more androgenic. So I'm more estrogenic. So estrogenic, you're going to have like curvier hips. You're going to put your weight on in the hips and the butt. You're going to have maybe bigger, fuller breasts. And then more androgenic women tend to be the ones that aren't so hippie that are more kind of up and down, maybe a little more smaller breasted, a little more wiry, like, um, hard to put weight on. So they'll put muscle on easily. And these are women that just genetically their body really likes testosterone and genetically my body and other women's bodies really like estrogen. So not everybody fits into those two categories. You can have a mix of both, but a lot of the time it's one or the other, but point being is for me, when I started to lose my estrogen in my forties, if a doctor had looked at my levels, they would have said, you have extremely healthy levels of estrogen. You're not in perimenopause. Um, I was dying. Like I was hot flashing night sweats. My period was getting irregular. Like I was going into menopause in my early forties, but yet my estrogen looked totally fine, but that's because I'm more estrogenic. So my body loves estrogen. So for somebody like myself, when the estrogen starts to go down, I'll start to get really exaggerated symptoms. When somebody like the androgenic woman, she'll lose her estrogen and not notice a freaking thing. But if she loses her testosterone, she's a freaking mess. Mm. So you want to test when you're young so that you know where you feel your best. It's like, ah, look, my estrogen's here. My progesterone's here. My testosterone's here. And I feel great. Like, so for someone like you, Danny, great to go see right now because you feel good. You're not getting a lot of hormonal symptoms. So go and look, where are your levels? Where, what is good for you? And then you can use that 10 years down the road when you start hormone replacement to go, I know where I feel my best and I want to get my hormone levels back to where they were back then, which is possible. Some women need a tiny, tiny bit to feel amazing. Other women need lots to feel amazing and to have no symptoms. So we're all very different. So if you can test now, if you're young, if you're not young, And if you're young, you want to test either saliva or urine testing through blood. Isn't accurate for younger cycling women because 
Yeah. Serum is only going to test what's called bound hormone levels. Your doctor will send you at any time of the month to go and get your hormones tested, which if you remember, if you go test in the first half of the month, you're going to look like you have crazy amounts of estrogen and no progesterone. And the doctor's going to be like, oh my gosh, you're estrogen dominant when they just tested at the wrong time. They also have ranges that are freaking ridiculous. They'll say that estrogen's okay if it's from like 200 to 2000 like ridiculous wow. range. Yes. That's how big they are. It's so dumb. And that's Canadian, but yeah, ridiculous. So when you're young, you have to test on day 21 of your cycle. If you have a 28 day cycle or seven days before the start of your period, whatever your, is your typical length of period cycling, because that is when we have an estrogen and a progesterone peak. So we want to see what your progesterone is doing. If you're still producing it, and the estrogen in comparison to that progesterone. Right. Serum is going to test bound hormone levels. And when I say bound, it's bound to a protein called sex hormone binding globulin. You can think of this as the bus, the hormone bus, the hormones get on the bus and they they're called bound hormones because they're bound to the protein. And that bus is going to shuttle them all over the body. And that hormone has to get off the bus for that receptor to grab it and pull it into the cell. And then it's considered a free hormone, free to be used. And those are that's the one that impacts us. So blood's only gonna test what's bound to the bus. We wanna know what is your body able to use? So you'll see a really big difference because bound hormone levels are have lots, free hormone levels are tiny, just a tiny amount. And we need to see how much are you, getting of that available hormone. Yeah. Wow. And so it's so important to do it through saliva because saliva will test unbound free levels of hormones. So will the urine. So urine metabolite testing, which is called the Dutch test will give you an idea of it's only testing metabolites but those levels reflect free hormone levels. And then the Dutch is also going to tell you how your body's breaking it down, how you're breaking the estrogen down. How are you breaking testosterone down, which are really important markers. The Dutch urine metabolite test by far is the gold standard. It's going to be the most comprehensive test that you can do. That's the one I'm doing. Sign me up. No. Exactly. <laughs> it's actually been on my list for a while because my naturopath <laughs> recommended it like last year and I just haven't gotten to it. So it's, it's happening. This is making me commit to it, Karen. Which is great. And you could do saliva too, because you're not experiencing a lot of issues with your hormones that would give you a really great baseline too. And it's not as expensive. Um, but yeah, up to you. They're both great tests. Um, and then as you age, and you start to lose your hormones. So let's say you're in your forties, you're still getting a cycle, but it's irregular. You still want to do the Dutch or the saliva at that point, you can do blood. It'll be a little bit more accurate. Um, but still gold standard is going to be saliva or urine. Once you get into menopause, you no longer have a cycle. We know that the hormones now are low all across the board. And so the bound levels will reflect what's also available because there's just no hormones most of the time. So you can get a really good idea of estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone through blood at that time. Okay. Always cortisol has to be done through saliva or urine. It's not accurate ever through serum. So, cause you need to see it through four points throughout the day. And the adrenal status is something that's really important to test as you age, because 
once your ovaries stop making all of these very key hormones, the body then starts to rely on the adrenals to make the hormones. So it's like a backup. So it's like, okay, ovaries aren't making it anymore. Now it's our turn. And they don't make nearly as much and sometimes not at all. But if you're stressed out and your cortisol is dysregulated or it's too low or it's too high, it will impact its ability to produce those important sex hormones, which means you will go through menopause, perimenopause, menopause, a lot worse because now you got nothing because the adrenal system will always prefer to make cortisol over the sex hormones Mm. because cortisol is the life or death hormone. It's our survival hormone. So it will always preferentiate that. So if you're highly stressed out and you're running around and you're still acting like you did when you were in your early thirties or twenties, thinking you can handle it wrong. Your body can't handle it like it used to, and it will be, it'll impact the entire system and all other hormones. So stress is a, is a huge component to how will you get through perimenopause um, with or without all the symptoms. Um, so yeah. you really do have to pay attention. And same with blood sugar, stress, blood sugar really impact those sex hormones and how you feel and how you go through perimenopause into menopause. Okay, so what was the second part? Now I can't yeah, me. I went off on our tangent. What was the you part talk, You've touched on some of it. I know. I love it. This is all so good. This is selfishly like just a one-on-one session for me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need all this. Um, the second part was like really just so we could be empowered. You know, what are you've already mentioned right. some of these yes. things, but summarize yes. like what can we do, right? How can yeah. we support our hormones? What foods can we eat? How can we like listen? You know, what what sort of things? I know you mentioned about identical hormones when we get to that stage, but you know, um, what are, what are some things, you know, physically, you know, nutritionally and, and all the areas that we can do to some, obviously lower stress, like, amen to all of us, always going to be, you know, lower your sugar intake. Yes. We're winning. What else, you know, really, really plays a big role. You know, what about caffeine and alcohol? I know all these things, right. Are, are big. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, eating as well to support. Yeah. So, you know, we're at a time right now where we're being bombarded by the next best diet more than ever because of our access to the internet. Uh, the ketogenic diet is now the number one, most Google diet. So is intermittent fasting. Um, more people are doing those diets than any other diet, same with carnivore. And what I've seen over the years is I've hopped on all these trains. So I know from experience is you really want to base how you eat off your hormonal profile. And that's going to look different for every single person. And then it's going to change. So if you're somebody that's insulin resistance, maybe you've got polycystic ovarian syndrome, then you know what? A ketogenic diet, carnivore, intermittent fasting is going to be fantastic to regulate your blood sugar and to lower the testosterone and the insulin. And it's going to be the best diet for you. If you've got low adrenal function and you've got hypothyroidism, which so many women have hypothyroidism, then doing a ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting is going to make you fat because your body, your thyroid and your adrenal system need glucose. They need those carbohydrates and they want the healthy carbs, of course, but you would be doing a detriment to yourself if you went severely low carb. I have seen countless women lose their thyroid hormones by going too hard on fasting and carnivore and keto. So they're actually giving themselves hypothyroidism. 
because they're doing that too hard. And maybe they had adrenal issues and then that exacerbated it and cortisol thyroid have a very intimate relationship. So, you know, who knows, but you have to be so careful about what diet you're doing. And is that supporting what is primarily happening with those hormones? As we go into menopause, you know, we become more insulin resistant, we can become more inflamed, we can gain weight. So going a little bit lower carb, stabilizing the blood sugar, stabilizing the stress levels are all going to have a massive impact on those things. So then eating just a low inflammatory diet, I'm still ever over all the diets I've done and all the diets I've seen people do and have worked with thousands of women now at this point. I still go back to paleo being my favorite. Hmm. And, and it's because it's the most well-rounded, right? We're not severely restricting carbs, but we're not overdoing the carbs. I know you can on paleo. We have a mutual friend that she, her story was on my podcast, the other Danny. And the she was day. like, oh, I went paleo and I was eating like baked goods with paleo almond flour and chowing on nuts nonstop and eating dairy like crazy. And so you can obviously do it not so good, right? And harm yourself. But in general, if you're eating a low inflammatory diet, that's well balanced with, you know, you've got your good serving of fat, not overdoing it. You've got a healthy serving of protein and protein should always be prioritized, especially as you age and a, a slow released, you know, carbohydrate. And that's different for everybody too. There's some people that, you know, can eat a sweet potato and their blood sugar goes up. And there's some people that can eat a white potato and their blood sugar stays normal. And so we each have a different carb tolerance level. And that, and that sounds a little bit complicated, but most of the time you can actually feel that. So if I eat rice, for instance, I don't feel good. I feel sick. My blood sugar crashes. It's not the food for me. And I've tested my blood sugar and know this. I can eat white potatoes though all day long and it does nothing to my weight, to my blood sugar. It's one of my favorite foods. So you can kind of tell by when you eat and how you feel afterwards, if that's a good food for you or not. But eating that kind of well-balanced, prioritizing protein, I think seems to work best for the masses for peri and postmenopausal women. So what I typically do is have women kind of do a carb cycle and a calorie cycle if they're trying to lose weight so that we preserve the thyroid, we preserve the adrenal system and the other hormones. Because if you're calorie restricting too much, if you're exercising too much, it does cause the hormone production to go down. And so you can actually start to go into perimenopause and menopause faster if you're putting a lot of stress on the system and you're fasting too much and not eating enough and maybe exercising too much or doing too much cardio your hormones will actually become depleted when you do that. So you have to be very, very careful. So really it's about looking at the hormones going, okay, what's the best diet for me at this time? And you utilizing the different tools that are out there in conjunction with what your hormones are telling you. And I think that's the best. I know it's not a straightforward answer, like everybody do this, but it just doesn't work like that. And we have to get out of that mentality that every single one of you is going to take what I call a different weight loss code. And so that's going to be emotional, spiritual. It's going to have, you know, a diet component an exercise component and a hormone component. All those things have to come together to really get the most and to figure out what it is your body needs at this time. 
time. Um, when you're in the early stages, like 30s, early 40s, there's lots of great supplements that can really help support your hormone production. Um, back then, when I was in my early 30s, I didn't I didn't take any of the hormones. I did a little bit of bioidentical progesterone for a little while, but then I went off of it and I just took supplements and I really worked on lifestyle and the emotional piece and everything went back to normal. So that, you know, that can be done when you're in your younger years. There's a lot you can do with diet and supplementation and lifestyle to correct those hormonal imbalances as you age it's just a matter of ovarian dysfunction. And so at that point, when you start to get into your forties and you're really feeling the loss of those hormones, you can take supplements to help buffer it for a little while. And there's some great stuff out there. Like phytoestrogens are excellent. Um, eating phytoestrogens can be really helpful, whether you have too much estrogen or not enough, they will act mildly on the estrogen receptor. So it can help both those things. Um, taking adrenal support, you know, all those things can, can help buffer for a while. And then you're going to, it'll get to a point where they don't work anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So I started with like a a menopause supplement. It had black cohosh, sage, Don Quay in it. Freaking did wonders. Got rid of all my hot flashes, my night sweats. I was like, Oh, I feel great. I had no more PMS. I was like, this is amazing. And then about a year in it all came raging back and some. And I knew then at that point, okay, now is my time to start hormone replacement. And a lot of doctors will wait. They'll wait till you have no period to to replace the hormones, which I think is ridiculous. It's like, why are we waiting till we're 20 pounds overweight? We're a hot mess. We haven't slept for two years and we have no sex drive and and our relationships in the toilet because of it, you know, like, and, and you're on an emotional roller coaster. Right. And a lot of women, it can get so bad. They become suicidal. And that's something that isn't being talked about. Women will be riddled with anxiety and depression from the loss of their hormones. So some women get hit severely hard, like really, really hard. And I've heard of women that have thought about committing suicide because they felt so terrible. And so why are we waiting to, to, to that extreme to replace hormones? And you'll go to your doctor during this time because you're suddenly getting severely heavy periods because you're losing your progesterone, which counteracts the growth of estrogen in the uterus. You've got severe PMS, breast tenderness, depression, insomnia. And what's the doctor going to do? Nine out of 10, they're going to do one of three things. An ablation, which is when they burn out and cauterize your uterus. A, A hysterectomy where they take the uterus out. Very, very common surgical procedure, which by the way, ladies is equivalent to a doctor telling a man who has any genital issues, anything that they're going to remove their balls. That is the exact same thing. And then we would never do that to him. Wouldn't that be interesting? What would our society be like then? That would be an interesting experiment. Thank you. Yes. I get very angry about the imbalance between how women are treated versus men. Oh yeah. Birth control pill is the other one. It is handed out like candy. Yeah. yeah. And pe- women are made to believe that the birth control is pill is safer than bioidentical hormones. And the doctor will say that to you. Yeah. Well, wow. birth control pills have synthetic hormones, which have been shown to be 
connected to developing breast cancer, uterine cancer. It's terrible. Yeah. Bioidentical hormones don't do that. It shows a reduction in all those problems. Yeah. That's a, that's a podcast episode for another day. I love that. I think that's so, that is so yeah. important. I learned about that just in my own health journey over the last six years, I learned about like, you know, the toxins that were in all my perfumes and I started making my own soap and like make yeah. my own cleaning products now and like essential oils and getting all that. And I was like, wait, I also need to like, look at this. Cause I was taking birth control for, for many years. And I quit that hard. Like I was like, Oh my God, I'm not putting this in my body anymore. This is not my, you know, like preventing children is not my responsibility. You do something about it. Why isn't it the men? Right. Like, and they've had a birth control for men. They had one. Oh yeah. But guess what? The symptoms were that they didn't feel good on it, that they lost their sex drive, that they became depressed. I'm like, uh, how is this any different than what a woman feels like on birth control pills? Yeah. Wow. I just did a whole episode yeah. about it on my own podcast that people can go listen to, but I dig into the research about the side effects of birth control, which no, none of us are being told. So basically to kind of sum everything up is when you are, when the supplements aren't working and the diet's not working anymore, do not wait to go get help and find a doctor that will treat you for those hormonal imbalances now and not wait. They have to be familiar with it. I mean, this is what I do for a living. I coach women through this period of time. I've got a membership group that helps women to, you know, get all the information that they need to get on the hormones, how to optimize their body for those hormones, how to eat right, lifestyle, detoxification, alcohol, all of these things that can impact you as you age and impact your body's ability to take on those bioidentical hormones in the safest way. So important. What you're doing, Karen, and, and helping women through this is so important. And I'm so glad to know you because I'm <laughs> going to need this support. So this is absolutely incredible. And I want to be respectful of your time. And I know there's so much more to talk about. I've got like still half the questions I want to ask you. So we'll have to have you back. But yeah. in the meantime, where can everybody come and find more about you uh, online? So I'm at karenmartel.com. You can find me on all the social accounts like Instagram and Facebook at Karen Martel Hormones. And then I have a podcast with over 200 episodes. Uh, it's called The Other Side of Weight Loss. So you can find that on any podcast platform. Amazing. I've had the honor of being a guest on your podcast. Yes. Well. So come and listen to it that. Was episode great. One. It was such yeah. a good one. All of your episodes are so, so good. And I can't thank you enough, Karen, for coming today and sharing your wisdom. I mean, if for, for no one else out there, this was so good for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm so grateful. And I know that a lot of you out there got a lot out of this as well. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, don't, don't hesitate to reach out to either myself or Karen, share what you got out of this episode. And Karen, we can't wait to, to have you back again soon. Yes, I can't wait to be back. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you're loving what we talked about today, please remember to subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with someone you love. And if you're ready to dive deeper into discovering your root causes and patterns that are keeping you hooked on sugar, be sure to check out our brand new free workshop series that will help you kick emotional eating for good. Find the link to download this free series and other amazing resources in the show notes below.